Welcome to Try Talking Sport. Delighted you've tuned in to the Podium Podcast for athletes, adventurers and endurance enthusiasts. We have just reached the milestone of 20 episodes and our listenership continues to rise every single day. So if you are just tuning in for the first time, you are more than welcome. If you have been tuning in over the past few months, thank you for your continued support. I am so excited that the show has reached this number of episodes and is quickly establishing itself as one of the go-to shows for inspiration, motivation and entertainment in endurance sport. I absolutely love delivering the show, interviewing the guests and bringing their stories of adventure and athleticism to life through the podcast. I've had quite a few people get in touch over the last couple of weeks to say that they have either taken the plunge to sign up to their first race or indeed have stepped up in distance and plan to go longer in 2020, which definitely encourages me to continue to provide quality content and interesting shows. It gives me a warm glow knowing that the show is having a positive influence on your life. Producing and delivering the show all comes with a cost and so we have started looking for sponsors for the podcast. Now that we have hit 20 episodes, we are here to stay. Many shows don't make it past 10 episodes, but I am determined to continue to keep producing the podcast and hope to make it a weekly show in the future. For this, I do need your help. So how can you get involved? Well, it's easy really. Firstly, if you have any connections in companies or brands that may be interested in supporting the show, maybe you work in a company that might be interested in supporting it, I'd love to have a chat with you and maybe you can put me in touch with the relevant person who might be interested in supporting the show and help to build on its success to date. I can tailor packages to suit all budgets so no company is too small or too new to get involved. You can contact me directly on trytalkingsport at gmail.com and we can take it from there. The coffee is on me. Secondly, I'd love to know a little bit about you, where you are tuning in from, what your interests are, which show you enjoy the most and who you'd love to hear from in the future. I have a quick survey for completion that will be on the website later this week on www.trytalkingsport.com and everyone who completes the survey will be entered into the draw to win one of our bobble beanie hats available in blue, navy or grey. So keep an eye on our social pages for the link to the survey on the website. Now back to this week's episode where Graham Mackin from Navan and County Meath gives us an insight into his quest to find his breaking point. A race around Ireland finisher, both as a duo and a solo rider, he has previously crewed for Race Across America, as well as holds the title of being the only Irish two-person team to complete the iconic endurance cycling race. This year, he will return to the US to chase his breaking point as a solo rider. Interestingly, cycling is not his favourite sport. He much prefers running. And in this episode, we hear about his plans to tackle the Kerry Ultra Way later this year and the Montana Spine Race in early 2021. As far as Graham is concerned, quitting is not an option. He has yet to DNF a race and has no plans to let anything get in his way in his endeavours to find out just how far he can push his mind and his body. The 35-year-old's stubbornness, tenacity and determination to succeed are very evident. So when the going gets tough, he simply doesn't give up. Graham Mackin, thank you so much for taking time out on this Sunday evening to join us on Try Talking Sport. You have a serious CV of endurance and cycling events, races, challenges, Graham, you have a big, big race coming up in June of 2020. Tell us a little bit about how the plans are going for Ram this year. Yeah, it's all going good so far. Doing what I'm told, training-wise. <laughs> 
it's an expensive bloody race, but uh, we have managed to pretty much get it covered by a few generous sponsors. Um, and we're raising money for the Alzheimer's side of Ireland uh, in the process of doing it. But no, yeah, it's all going good. Um, how, how do you train to cycle 5,000 kilometres non-stop? I have no idea. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll find out. So this isn't the first time that you'll have gone to Race Across America. You've been there as part of a two-man team. You've also been involved in the Race Around Ireland. You've also done um, the Art O'Neill Challenge. You've done loads of different races. Tell us a little bit about your background in endurance sport. Yeah, so I, like, like like most Irish lads, I would have came from a Gaelic football and hurling, soccer background, golf and tennis and everything thrown in. Um then just one day uh, when I came home from, from Australia, I took an ocean to cycle around Ireland by myself. <laughs> so we gathered a little crew together and had no idea what we were doing. Headed off, covered a couple of hundred kilometres a day, which was huge back then. But it's, it's very little now when I think of it. After that, then, I, I was actually asked to do the physio for a four-man team for Race Cross America in 2012. And I assume it just... Started from there. I saw it firsthand. Couldn't get enough of it. Um, one of the lads on the team, he at the finish line, he said that he'd return the favour and crew for me. But I said I'd rather if he if he cycled or paired it up with me. Um, and little did we know then, in 2015, we did Race Ireland. We still hold the third fastest time for two-man team. And then 2017, we were the first Irish team to do Race Cross America. Uh, and while it was horrible from start to finish and everything that could go wrong did go wrong and um, we finished it which is which is all you go to do on race across america so you were the first so you went over first as a as part of the team um yeah. on the four person one and then you took yeah. part yourself as a two man you know how hard it's going to be you've seen both sides of it why would you choose so, to try and do a solo i was i suppose it was always the next step you know we did, like, so Race Run Ireland, they say, is Europe's toughest endurance race. Race Across America is the world's toughest endurance, uh, sorry, bike endurance bike race. So solo is obviously the toughest category. Two man, the second toughest. I'd done both of them. We went for Race Around Ireland. And while I wasn't knocking or, or, or belittling in any way, the only reason why I did Race Around Ireland, well, one was to see could I finish it, but it was, it was to go and do Race Across America if I could finish it. And we did finish it. We surprised ourselves. We surprised a lot of people for everything that went wrong. I got Shermer's neck, I think, on the second last day. Um, but I was the first solo to ever finish race around Ireland with Shermer's neck. Uh, I don't know how we managed to, some contraption to keep my head <laughs> attached uh, that, that allowed us to finish. Um, but we ended up finishing third. I'd like to think we would have been second if not battling with first without Shermer's neck it's a big call but we were f I was fastest from Kerry home over the three of us so I was gaining even though everything was going wrong so it kind of left a, a thought of Jesus there, there we could do this you know there's something this isn't somebody trying to wing it and 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 get declare and, and quitting and never doing it again which we, we thought could happen but it didn't and by the time we got to the finish line we were while I was in between hallucinations, I was talking about Race Across America. So we all knew that we were going. 
I, I was reading um, part of your race report on uh, Race Around Ireland. I think it was when you were leaving Kentmere that they realised that you actually did start suffering from Shermers. But for people who are listening to the show who don't know what that is, um, anybody who's an endurance cyclist potentially will know, but there's lots of, of listeners there who might know. Just explain to us, you're on the bike, but what's happening to you? When I crewed, I was I was the physio for, in 2012 and I had researched it, but it doesn't really happen to four-man teams, nor does it really happen to two-man teams, it's just solos. But essentially, it's just the weight of your head and the helmet for so long um, and all the muscles in the back of your neck just cease working. They just stop. Uh, your chin is stuck to your chest and the pressure. Now, I, like... My physio head was telling me something different, like was just telling me to lift my head, stop being an idiot, lift your head. But the pressure I felt by just trying to look up from my handlebars up the road, uh, it was it was it was incredible, but it was terrifying as well. So I ra- I radioed back to the crew behind me, uh, told them to tell the crew chief that I think I've Shermer's neck, and they went full MacGyver and burst into an Aldi at five to six in Kenmare on a Saturday or whatever it was on a. I don't know what day it was. Um, tried loads of different contraptions, but we managed to figure something with one of the lads' belts and Theraband bungee cord. Um, and it was excruciating to wear, but it kind of allowed to tilt my head back a little bit, but not enough. I couldn't do it enough for the helmet kept popping off. So we were pulling over every, probably every 20 minutes for the last two days trying to fix it. But from kind of looking up even though my head was still there and I was kind of looking, I suppose, through my eyebrows for the, for the last two nights. I got double vision for the last two days um, and that made for some very hairy cycling. Like I was I was putting myself into a ditch to allow a car overtake another car on a narrow road, but there was no car. There was no other car. It was the double vision and then the la- like I was swerving way out on the other side of the road to avoid the two traffic cones that somebody threw into the middle of the road, but there was only one traffic cone. And that, that was happening an awful lot. Did you know that you were, you know, under pressure when, when you oh, had the God. double vision? Oh. Why did they let you continue cycling? Because uh, <laughs> we never told anyone. Um, the lads were very, um, I suppose they were very cute with the social media. So, no, they, they, they can't stop you from cycling. No, I mean like your crew and stuff. I mean, were you, did you oh, trust them implicitly? They'd fucking flog me across the line if they could. <laughs> they drag me by the heels. No, there was no, um, there was no quitting in them either. And I, same as myself. Now, short numbers, is, it, like it's a really serious issue, and and it can get very dangerous while cycling. A lot of other cyclists would kind of get it, and that would be their excuse they were looking for to, to get out. But I just told the lads to fix it and the lads said they'd fix it. And that was it. I suppose we thought we were still close enough to home, even though we were like a thousand kilometres away from home. And um, in terms of your setup on the bike then, were you able to hold on to the handlebars with this setup? No, it got to a stage then that I had kind of a lot of nerve damage in my hands. So one bike, I couldn't pull the brakes on it enough to stop. And the other bike, I couldn't change the gears on it. They were one's Shimano, one's Kanban. Um, so I was chopping and changing. I was tilting the handlebars back so I could lean back on the bike, but that didn't work. Just nothing. It was just, uh, it was just horrible torture. We had turned for home at that stage, as I said, it was still a thousand kilometres left. So it was just the lads just told me to suck it up. What made you keep going? Where did that tenacity and that determination come yeah. from? The, the, I, this is the whole thing. Like as, as I said to you previous, like kind of completely winging Ironman Wales. And then doing Ben Nevis 
three days later, four days later. Like, I, I have all these races, and it's purely for me, but it's trying to find, like, the, the Facebook page now, as I said, I hate public speaking and social media and all that crap, but I, I had to set something up for, for, for this because it's the biggest race in the world. Um, but the goal, it, it's called Chasing Breaking Graham Mackin, and it's about ch- chasing my breaking point. I want to find it, but I hope I never do because that means I've quit and been defeated. Like, you know, if, if a truck wipes me out and race across America and I break both my legs, that's fine. That's that's not me pulling over the side of the road saying, oh, I can't do it anymore. Well, I can live with that, but I just don't think I can live with pulling over and quitting, you know? Have you always been like this? I mean, when you were growing up as a kid, were you always, I suppose, pushed? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of a polite word, you know, uh, headstrong. Yeah, I'd say so. You'd have to ask my parents, but yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. But but the more, like, the more you do it, like, like I, I have a big list of what I've done already, some of the world's toughest, and, and the, the list to come is bigger again. But it's all about trying to push as far as you can seeing which one will, will beat me. But I, I still hope that when I when I do retire in a few years that I'll never have DNF at anything. And that'd be that'd be pretty special. But I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure you can't like you know, everyone DNFs at some stage. You seem like you've got your very headstrong in terms of your mental capacity seems like it's very strong. You know, your body <laughs> capacity you know, will your body hold up to all of this is, is the next question I guess. Yeah. Um I, I, I'm coached by um, a friend of mine in, in Trim here in, in Mead, Bernard Smith, and he owns Ultimate Conditioning. And he coached me for Race Around Ireland. He's coached me for Race Across America. Um, my legs were like, there wasn't a, a twinge out of the legs on Race Across, Race Around Ireland at all. And not even sore to touch or anything. But the neck gave way, the back gave way. And that, that was my fault. I, I, I was doing the gym, but I wasn't putting the effort in that I would on the bike. But the legs were flying. I was, like, I won the King of the Mountains Award. We didn't even know we were on it. I stopped at one stage and gave Lauren, rang Lauren for a while. I updated stuff on Facebook. And then we stopped and we had a sandwich. And then rolled down the road and got to the next checkpoint and rang in. And we still won the King of the Mountains by about an hour and a half I just love climbing but on Race from Ireland the legs were brilliant everything else packed in uh, I'm still struggling with the neck now as it is but um, we're doing a lot in the gym a lot of head stuff uh, the legs will be perfect just everything else needs to hold up and how do you prevent this happening again in Race Across America or can you prevent it do you just have to hope it doesn't happen I hope it doesn't happen but I'm pretty sure it will because right now I'm still struggling with the neck. Um, like I had headaches for about six weeks after race race around Ireland because of it. Um, I'm expecting it to happen, and we'll have a few different contraptions to, to try and help. But I'll strengthen it up as much as I can from now till then. And between the neck and the, the nerve damage in the hands and the feet, and but everyone's the same. You just. So talk to me about the the damage to the hands and the feet because you did mention earlier little motor function things that you couldn't do. Um, you've got two young kiddies and tying little things on the kids or taking off your shoes or tying your laces are all little things that, although yeah. they're easy for us to do, you find them very difficult to do now. Yeah, uh, well, <clears throat> especially after Race Across America the last time, 
as a two-man. It was we covered a, a bit more of a distance than Solar Race from Ireland, but uh, we had our first child two weeks after I got home from it, and I was useless. Just I couldn't do it. Hands like pig's feet. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't close the buttons of a baby grows. Um, just couldn't do anything. Um, and it took a good six months for the feeling to come back on my feet after it. Uh, Race around Ireland finished the end of August. And I think about two weeks ago, I got the feeling back on my toes and my baby fingers. So it's just all part of it. And are you changing nappies? Are you able to just change off. nappies? Of course, of course, yeah. So I'd, I'd like to um, to ask about your, your lovely wife, Lauren, because you do have uh, two young kiddies. You have a two-year-old, Harry, and a seven-month-old, Beth. So how did she give you permission, uh, in inverted commas, uh, to go and to do all of this? You know, the importance of her support must be massive to be able to go and chase oh, all of this. Everyone always talks about permission. Um, I don't think I'd have married her if I needed permission. And nor does she need permission for anything either. But, um, Maybe it's no, not permission. Very... How did you get the pass, the free pass? Yeah. Well, I don't know. She's very, very understanding. She knows it's something I love to do and she knows it's something I have to do. Like me, hopes that I'll be retired in four or five years having done every toughest race in the world going uh, and we can we can sail off then and finish up but I um, I own Trim Sports Injury Clinic uh, here in Trim the last nine years and I myself and Dave Webster a friend uh, we own Spun Cycles and Spun Run in Trim as well and it's just advertisement gold for for the shop in the clinic so do you know what it is like while she still scoffs when I go out for the long bikes or when I go off through these races Essentially, it is going to work, kind of. So, <laughs> that's so that what brings I me to, to my next question because, you know, you say you came home from Australia, New Zealand and you bought yourself a bike and you decided to, to cycle around Ireland yourself. But if you hadn't taken that journey, where do you think you'd be with your career or what would you be doing? Because you've been given a huge opportunity and taken the roadway down to follow your passion for sport like many of us. Where would Graham Mackin be or what would he be doing if he wasn't doing endurance cycling? Uh-huh. <laughs> not, not, not to give you a short answer I have no idea absolutely no idea um, probably enjoy myself in a pub somewhere and <laughs> like the rest of us do on our off time on our off season but uh, yeah I have absolutely no idea I, I don't know I don't know I'm sure there's some sort of obsessive compulsive inside me that's that's being uh, contained by these races so probably, uh, probably best not to think of where we'd be without them I don't know in terms of the prep for RAM 2020, where are you with training or what sort of training are you doing now? And what are the bikes that you're going to bring with you over to the States? Training is, I suppose, Bernard, we're easing in, not easing into it a little bit, but we know we can do the distance. We know the legs will be able to do the distance because they were flying on a race from Ireland. So we're just, I suppose, trying to get a bit faster at that distance now and extra gym work um, I still I, I try to sneak one run a fortnight in it's not in the plan but I just I much prefer running to cycling so I still try to get a bit in it's probably up around 15 hours a week now but come April it'll be up around 25 hours a week the head before race around Ireland was just I I I couldn't get my head around the race at all. I couldn't figure out how. I, I just couldn't figure out how I could do it. Uh, I was 
I was a demon to live with and a demon to be around. I just didn't know. I, I'd never had a fear like it, and I've never had a, a Jesus, this, this this could be a, a serious DNF here. <clears throat> but I spoke to a, um, <clears throat> a sports psychologist, John Ginty in Sligo, and uh, just a few little words from him sorted it out. About two weeks before the race, he just said, um, just to make peace with the, the pain that's coming your way and deal with it is what he said. And I just, I don't know what happened, the shoulders just kind of relaxed and I just said, look, whatever it be, will be. And we were fine with that headwise. And ever since the race in Ireland, the head has been grand. Like I'm, I'm ready for race cross America, you know. Your I head still is ready. Lot, lot. You, still have, you still have a lot of physical training to do, but you feel your head is ready. Yeah, like bike-wise, I'm, I'm probably where I was just before race for Ireland. So we have a lot of room to get, like a, to grow a lot more, get a lot faster. Um, but head-wise, which is far more important than leg-wise, um, I do, yeah. I, and now I'm not undermining it in any way. It's the world's toughest race. It terrifies me. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up, last thing going to bed at night. Every five minutes pops into my head a different section of the race. And I try to calm my head and tell myself that when we get there, everything will be fine. So it's morning, noon and night is all I think of. Um, but I'm ready for it. Uh, I don't think I've ever been ready for a race before. So it's, it's, uh, it's a different place to be. Looking forward to the, 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 better, the, the better weather and the longer spins. Uh, Crew-wise, it's the same crew I've had pretty much since the start. Two of the lads on Race Around Ireland that can't come are being replaced by two of the lads that crewed for me on Race Across America in 2017. So it's just, the crew is flawless. I, I'm, the, I'm the donkey on the team and the lads are just brilliant. So bike-wise, I'm bringing three bikes. My main bike is a Bianchi XR4. Um, it's an aero bike, but it's incredibly comfortable and fast. Then I have a Colnago C60, which would be for all the mountain sections. And I have a Trek speed concept then for the, the Great Plains of Kansas. <laughs> and hope for a tailwind and, uh, and uh, all will be well. So how long will you spend in the States before you start racing? I, I have only, I'm only going out four days before it. Uh, or five, yeah, four days before it. Um, people are telling me it's nowhere near enough. But like when, when I close the doors of the clinic... That's it. There's no money coming in. Um, I leave the shop. I leave the babies. I'll be away for three weeks. Um, I'll be in no fit state to get back into the, the clinic probably for probably the guts of a month after I get home. So I just had to go as close to the start line as I can. And in terms of the, the actual training that you're doing, Graham, the, um, you know, the sessions that you're doing on the bike, are you outside? Are you inside? And even just give us an insight into, you know, a couple of the sessions maybe that you're doing at the moment to get ready for RAM. Yeah, mid, midweek is um, all on the watt bike. Um, anything from kind of two to three hour sessions on the watt bike. Um, Bernard kind of creates them all himself rather than using the app. Um, and then weekends are out on the road, weather permitting. Um, building up to it, getting close to the time, kind of Saturdays would be an eight, nine hour spin, and then Sundays before five, and then every day, then midweek, and one of the days is usually a double day, out, out for two hours in the morning, and, and then back out for two hours and 90 minutes in the evening. There's only so much you can do for it. Like, you know, 
is to say you don't climb Everest while you're training to climb Everest. So mm. I, I don't need to go out and cycle fight. Like you just you you do what you can do with two jobs and two babies, and we just moved into a house. And you, you just do what you can do and get the head right then. And then in terms of nutrition and recovery, how do you fuel those sessions and how do you recover from them? Get into work after it and try not fall asleep. Um, no, just I eat well. Usually just tailwind on the on the bike during the sessions. Um, during the race, uh, ensure during the, the little bottles of stuff they, they, they give to the dead and dying. <laughs> and it's packed full of calories, so we use those on the race um, and for, for some of the long spins then as well I'd, I'd bring bring them with me they're magic little bits um, just eat as best you can and the odd pint of Guinness every once in a while it helps and how do you keep your I suppose your mind sane when you're doing two, three, four hour watt bike sessions or you're out on an eight or nine hour bike course you know how do you keep your focus you know because the hardest part of the training I think for most people is getting out the door uh, getting the gear yeah. together and getting out the door, but then keeping keeping that focus to say, okay, I'm going to do an eight or nine hour spin today. I suppose one you'd be found out fairly likely if you weren't doing them and and cutting them short. But um, I was only saying to the father-in-law the other day, like I, I'm doing it that long now that training has never felt like training. Like do you know when people go, oh, I have to go and do this later on. It's just part of the day. If I can do it first thing in the morning at four or five in the morning, I'll always do it. If not, then it's kind of, you're thinking about it for the rest of the day. But it's always just something needs to be done, but it's never looked upon as as a chore. And it's not like, you know, and I, know I, I don't like going and sitting on the walkway for five hours if there's a storm outside. But I have a printout of the route of Race Across America in front of me uh, upstairs and keep looking at that now and you're, you're not long in cycling. <laughs> So who who would you look to for inspiration and motivation in terms of, you know, your own kind of heroes in sport that you would look up to or respect within the sport? They've all been done for cheating and taking drugs at this stage. So I haven't many to look up to. No, um, I suppose like like Christoph Strasser would be. He's won race across America six times. He holds the record. He's won everything. He owns the twelve hour, the twenty four hour, the forty eight hour, absolutely everything. But it's his full time job. You know, and, and we're trying to race against the likes of that. So he's absolutely amazing, but you can't compare or look at his training or anything like that. Like, you know, he can go and sit on the watt bike for eight hours, you know, on a Wednesday. I Like, we can't do that. Um, I get a lot of motivation from 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 the amateurs more so than, than the pros. I, I put a, po- a post up a while ago. Uh, like, there's two people from Navin, Nicola Duffy. She's on the Irish um, ultra marathon team now and, and she does a lot of ultras and stuff like that and Keith Russell is the same he does a lot of ultras and they, they like me have babies and jobs and uh, they still get out and do it they still compete with the, the top level like Race Cross America there'll be loads of pros but I, I, I'd like to think I can finish ahead of a few of them as well um, but definitely the, the the amateurs are the semi-amateurs like Jasmine Paris when she she won the spine race you know mm. a few weeks after that baby that's what that's what kind of does it the the person whose sole job is to to get up and train and be fed and be paid and And funny how you mentioned the spine race because I think I saw that you have entered a spine race for 2021 is that correct yeah yeah January yeah yeah 
So you're going to do a race across America and then you're going to come home and do the Kerry Ultra Way. That's the plan. Yeah. In preparation for the spine race. Um, Well, I only signed up for the spine race last week. I signed up for Kerry ages ago. But as I was kind of saying previous, the the goal is to to find the breaking point. So I like to, people people would say I like to make these races a lot harder myself than they should. Um, So I haven't ran since... March last year, bar like one a month, maybe one every three weeks, a, a little 10k around the fields, and then I got a spot on the Art of Neil. So I said I'd, I'd win that and completely win that. Um, but the Kerryway Ultra is 200 kilometer run. I've never the, the furthest race I've ran is 80k, uh, so I've no idea how I'm going to do it after race across America. I'd say it would be. It'd be four to six weeks before I'd be able to run again. So it'd leave me about five or six weeks training to try and do the Kerryway Ultra. And the goal is to just survive the Kerryway Ultra. And then I'd be able to start training then for the spine with 200 kilometres in my legs. Because the spine race is 415 kilometres in the depth of winter. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Why? Yeah, if, if I knew that, I'd be a rich man, wouldn't I? Um, the, I don't know. The, the, the kind of the plan in my head now at the minute is when we f- when we finish Race Across America, because the, there's no ifs or buts, because I'm not going back to do it. It's too expensive. It's too much work. It's too much time out. Um, I'll have done the two toughest ultra bike races in the world, so I'll probably be finished with the bike, because like there's no, there's no point in going and doing the third or the fourth or the fifth because in my head, I, 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 I kind of know I could do them, bar something happened, an accident or something happened. So I plan to get into the race, the, the running then, full-time. So that makes the spine race, uh, the Kerry Ultra, they, they'll open me up to to qualification for pretty much everything else then. Like the triple crown of 200s in, in the States, I think they're a month apart. So the Moab 240, the Tahoe 220, and then the Bigfoot 200. Um, so stuff like that is it, it's the big stuff that very few have done or can do and again the the, the, the breaking point like myself and one of the lads hope to, to roll the Atlantic next year um, the Talisker Atlantic row no no two man Irish team have ever done it before so we want to play that neither of us have ever rowed a boat before well f- uh, funny you mention that because uh, Gavin Hennigan from Galway uh, did the Talisker Whiskey Challenge and um, followed by Damien Brown, uh, I think the following yeah. year, and neither of them had either road uh, before they started training. Uh, so it's, it's it's like, it's something bizarre that yeah. you would think of doing. You'd never think of doing the race around Ireland if you weren't on your bike. Yeah, I, yeah, I suppose. But again, like, it's just, it's it's one of those races. It's like the, the Yukon Ultra. It's just one of those races that very few can do. But, like 99% of the population wouldn't dream of doing it. Mm. Um, I've thought of doing the Talisker row solo. Um, Lauren wouldn't be too mad to be doing it solo. But like while, while doing Race Around Ireland and Race Across America, I get to the finish line as a solo racer. But I have my crew with me and we, we all celebrate. <clears throat> and I just think getting to the finish line of the Talisker row, I'd much rather have somebody to come home with share it with and talk about it with than me just rocking up in Antigua and handing people I don't know waving at me and then and nobody caring when you get home you know I, I just 
I love the idea of of sharing it with somebody. You know? mm. So the the running events, you know, what's the long term goal in terms of the ultra running? Are you looking to represent Ireland at long distance stuff? Some of the hundred k races that we see around the place, or are you just looking to fulfil your own dreams of getting the toughest? or at least some of the toughest ultra races in the world under your belt? I would have never thought of an Irish team or anything like that. If, not that it doesn't appeal to me, I've just never thought of it. I actually, I didn't even know there was a an ultra running team up until a few months ago. Um, but no, no, I, I do these for me, to be honest. Um, there's no real goal bar just to, to, to be able to finish and say that I've done literally every toughest either bike, foot, row, in whatever race I can think of, and um, I suppose at the end of it would be the the goal. Then in in a few years would be to be able to say that you're kind of one of, if not the top kind of endurance racer in the country. And then of course you've got the likes of Joe Barr and Jason Black, who are all uh, doing a lot of that endurance stuff as well. I see Joe Barr is actually in the States at the moment. He's a stalwart of the, the race across America and race around Ireland. And then Jason Black, um, you know, another formidable endurance athlete as well. There aren't very many of you um, at that level that are going way beyond what any of us would believe capable of the human body. Yeah, and, and like that, like I never thought I could, I never thought I could do two-man race across America. I remember in 2012 when I was crewing and I spoke to a, a solo and he had about four, three or four days left from the finish line. And he, he held a, lo- a lovely conversation with us, but he was dead behind the eyes. He didn't blink. He didn't look. He didn't. And I just thought to myself, there's no way I'd ever put my body through that. And sure, here we are now. <laughs> but um, only two Irish people have ever done Race Cross America, ever finished Race Cross America. So it, like, like that, the, the, I'm picking these sort of challenges to to get into a very, very small group. Joe Barr is, is a phenomenal athlete. He's full-time athlete, so I suppose he'd kind of be a professional now. Uh, and Donegal Cutrus, um, he'd be a great man to get on. Ex-Army Ranger and all that. I'm sure he's loads of stories. So he actually has the fastest time, but it was a shorter distance that year. So Joe Barr actually has the Irish record. So we'll see. So what's been the highlight of your racing career to date? Uh, <laughs> as in, like, like as, in, as in the severity of the challenge or well, scenery? Just, you, of... Know, you, you think back to what you've achieved in the races that you've done so far. What's the, the big standout time for you? Um, I know for, for Race Around Ireland, it was the toughest, most difficult thing I've ever done, but it was also the biggest thing I've ever done. I've done an, an Ironman distance race. I've done loads of bits and pieces, but it was the toughest, the worst and the best days of my life for those yeah. four days. Yeah, they, like, they always say that, and, and actually it was Donica Cutters gave me loads of advice before Race from Ireland, and um, he said, kind of, when you're at your lowest, when you're at absolute depths of of everything is when you 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 truly feel alive and it's really hard to explain to people but it's true when everything is falling apart like when the neck was at me i couldn't pull my brakes i was going into ditches i was falling asleep on the bike i was hallucinating and the whole race was slipping away from me but the awareness of everything around me was just phenomenal um 
uh, yeah, it was, it was probably the closest they've come to, I suppose, to DNA, to, to, to just it all falling apart. Um, so definitely Race Around Ireland was, was the highlight. Like Race Across America, it was the hottest on record when we did it in 2017. It got to 49.5 degrees Celsius in Death Valley. I got heat stroke the first night. I think I projectiled for about 8 or 10 hours. And then the third night, Declan got food poisoning. And he was, oh, I've never seen a man so sick. Then day five, one of the lads reversed the camper into a wall and smashed up 20 grand's worth of bikes. And we had to share a bike for a while uh, until Declan bought a bike that didn't fit. So everything just went completely wrong. And we limped home, um, got to a stage where we didn't think we'd, everyone was so tired, they all got their maths wrong. And we didn't think we were going to finish it. And that was a disaster. Then we realised we could finish it and we got home. And so... It was all like while we were the the own like the first ever Irish two man to to achieve it, and it's only thirty percent finish with two mans. It was all very felt tainted and just crap, you know. So I think that's why I'm going back again. Uh, but no, race for Ireland. It has it has to be like the, the Ben Nevis Ultra running through the Highlands was breathtaking, and the race that we all no matter how fit you are going up there it just it strips you of everything you think you know about yourself um but yeah race around ireland would have to be the highlight the finish coming into race around ireland i mean there's no bells and whistles because you know they, they don't it's not like an iron man finish line where it's rocking for so many hours it's fabulous but it's it's very Impressive. minimal there's nothing there it's across america 2012 uh we are sorry 2017 we missed podium by 21 minutes and you have, like, the, the finish line is just a, a line at the side of a road, a roadside cafe, and then you follow a car 20k into the into the finish line with the flume on the pier. Um, and they were still interviewing the lads that finished ahead of us, and we had to hide behind the port cabin and wait till we were called, and then cycle 20 metres around it, and it, just everything about it was just shit. And, like, I dreamt about this for so long, and it was just crap. 2015 race around Ireland we got in at 3 in the morning there was my parents Lauren's parents and my dog and that was it <laughs> you know, uh, well no there was there was a few from the triathlon club but race around Ireland we had it in our heads that we'd get back to Lynch's pub in Trim in time for uh, Friday after, Friday evening for, for a pint and we did just that but by the time we got to Kilcock I started seeing well, I started hallucinating I was seeing all sorts but I started seeing people I knew and then from Kilcock all the way to Trim, the roads were lined with people and cars and flags. And then when I got into town, it was packed. But when I got down to the finish line, there could have been a couple of hundred people there that live with me for the rest of my days. Because I, I had it in my head that I'm going to get down there and Lauren and the babes will be there. And like, like the last time you're handed a medal and you're going, is that it? Was, was, was it all worth it just for this? But um, the finish line race from Ireland was... was yeah, that was probably the highlight of everything I've done. And I've seen other finish lines where there's nobody there for you and you try to get down to cheer them on. But that was that was just incredible. It was just packed. And considering as well that the race starts and finishes in Mead as well as obviously a bonus, you know, and could, and all that you had, the trauma, I suppose, that you'd been through. You must have been some sight coming down the finish with the yeah. contraption on the back of your neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a struggle now to get in, but um, <clears throat> I suppose with, with the Shermers and, and the hands and everything, and the lads were doing a lot of social media, um, like those people from 
every corner of the country that had no interest in cycling but somehow got wind of it and and they were messaging me after it saying like they were up checking at 3am where I was and that's the magic of Race from Ireland like you, you know it yourself at 2 in the morning and, and, and some old lady runs out cheers you on and runs back in and shouts your name and you're like did anyone else see her <laughs> it's just it is it's magic but the, the, that finish line um, yeah that, that, that'll live with me forever uh, I was I was, I was in an office seat uh, there's a video of it actually and um, Lauren hands me Beth she, she was only six weeks old at the time I thought I was holding her perfect but she was slipping through my arms and you could hear somebody say take the baby take the baby <laughs> uh, so, poor child yeah. um, you mentioned there that you were falling asleep falling asleep on the bike is is very very dangerous I mean I remember seeing uh, the, the coverage of Joe Barr uh, in Race Across America and you could visibly see that he was beginning to falter and he was beginning to fall asleep on the bike and the crew took him off uh, straight away but I think I read in your piece that you were felt like you were falling asleep on the bike or were you actually falling asleep on the bike well, no I was actually asleep on the bike um, it, it happened in Race Across America as well um, it's hard for people to grasp but in Race Across America, it was it was a white line I was staying on in two black sides. And if I went towards the black, my eyes would ping open and I'd steer. But for some reason, Race from Ireland, it was the opposite. It was black road and, and whites on the side. And especially the last night in, in Wexford, Bernard had said, fourth place has pulled into a car park. You're not sleeping. You're not stopping. We're finishing this. Tonight, uh, so we can enjoy the, the the ride home tomorrow. So they were shouting, and, and they did. They, they buried me that night, and I buried myself. But I don't remember a single bit of it because I was asleep for pretty much all of it. Um, you're still able, like your legs will turn regardless. That's all they know how to do at that stage. And any time I veered towards the whites on either side of the road, my eyes would open, and I'd steer back towards the the road. I'd level the the handlebars. And then my eyes would shut again and I'd be gone back asleep. And this just kept happening over and over and over. But when, when I was asleep too long on the bike, I, I suppose you'd be going into a, an REM sort of sleep and you stop pedaling. And that's when the lads would, would crackle the radio in my ear or beat the horn and then you'd, you'd wake with a startle and you might stay awake then for five minutes until the, the, the black and white came with, within your closed eyes again. And I, like People would tell me I'm but it's very hard to, to, to grasp unless you've done it but so I'm hoping I can do that again <laughs> but how, how did you st- how did you stay upright on the bike if you're falling asleep well, yeah well there was there was a lot of, of veering off the road into the verges and and kind of clipping ditches and stuff and th- that'd ping you back up again but I suppose in my it's like it's like when you wake up and you think you've you've dreamt for the last two hours and I think they say a dream only lasts seven seconds or so Joe so maybe I was only asleep for, for, for short distances but there was a lot of short distances but whenever I wasn't asleep there was full blown hallucination so it was uh, it was great crack altogether and then in terms of sleep during Race Round Ireland you know did you sleep at all? So it took 122 hours from start to finish and I slept for two and a half hours in, in the five days one of them was an hour sleep at the start I think two days into it, I hadn't slept. And we took an hour of sleep. And I really struggled to get going after that. Um, so I, I kind of said to the lads, look, can we can we just try 20-minute power naps? 
And we tried a couple of those and I sprung up out of the van, felt like I had a lovely night's sleep and it was brilliant. But the lads have done a lot of research since and apparently like leading to shermers and nerve damage and double vision and obviously the hallucinations, we didn't sleep enough. Um, and with more sleep tends to allow faster cycling. But in in my head, I, I just didn't want to sleep at all because I was afraid that I'd be passed or that I wouldn't be on the bike. But with the research we've done is now with structured sleep, the same time every day, you should be able to maintain a higher speed for the rest of it. I'm kind of thinking 90 minutes in the midday sun and that's it for the day. 90 minutes a day. Um, half an hour off the bike to change for your night gear. So we'll be cycling for 22 hours a day for for the 12 days. And then in terms of fueling um, while you're racing? Just on the bike. Uh, insure and tailwind on the bike. The lads hand the bottles of insure out the window. I have to neck it hand it back in through the window and they check to make sure I've drank it all and if I haven't they hand it back out again You're going to be you know subject to the elements in the States as well between the extreme cold the extreme heat the winds you know how do you plan for all of that? Yeah you can't like 2017 the hottest in record but the first Irish two-man team to, to try it like it was just typical it was like you with the Belarus coming along during the year you picked just put a nice vest on through the desert Try and get out, take your time on it to a reasonable extent so you're not overcooking yourself, but um, just get through it. And then in the Rockies, seems to be up around kind of Wolf Creek Pass. It's up around 12,000, 13,000 feet. So a lot of people, a lot of solos succumb to um, altitude sickness or pulmonary edemas mm-hmm. and end up in hospital then, and that's the end of the race. But I think you're predisposed to those sorts of things. I think, no, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been a doctor for long, but uh, I think if it's going to happen, you, it'll, you'll find out when you get there. So you, you can go and do a bit of altitude training, but generally you're never going to be that tired or exhausted when you get there. In 2017, yeah, it was tough breathing up the top, but I was okay. So I think I'll be okay. And how do you train for the lack of sleep? Because you can train for the bike, you can train your nutrition so you don't have, uh, insofar as possible, don't have GI issues. But how do you train for not sleeping? You can't, really. Like Graceland Ireland was my first ever solo race on the bike. I'd never done an odd axe, I'd never done a, anything. Um, so we hadn't a clue, really, sleep-wise. My head was that I knew I didn't need a whole lot of sleep and I just wanted to keep going. But for now, uh, for Race Across America, like it, it just won't work. Um, like if I was hallucinating after four days, I'd still have six or seven days of hallucinations over in Race Across America for the day. So, well, it'd be great crack for me. It wouldn't lead to uh, a great time or great cycling. So they say with the same sleep, regardless really of how long, kind of minimum of 60, 90 minutes, you, you, you tend to, to, to fight off all these issues that come down the line okay. like there's there's one woman who won it last year or two years ago um a brazilian woman she slept i think she slept four or five hours a day while strasser probably slept maybe half an hour a day but her on bike speed was was faster than strasser's because she was able to, to, to cycle so much faster while she was on the bike while strasser wasn't he was just mm-hmm. able to maintain this obviously amazing speed for, for the rest of us. But the idea is that with, with proper sleep, you, you don't run the risk of as much hallucinations or, or double vision, but you're able to cycle much faster. So, okay. it, you know, it's hit and miss. 
like that that that's that's great provided nothing goes wrong you know a broken collarbone or something you, you have to limp home for the last four days um and you're kind of wishing jeez oh, i wish i didn't sleep for <laughs> for those 10 hours back there i could really do with them so it's a it's a very very fine line nobody has nobody has a i suppose the perfect strategy for it there's a couple of books written about it the crew are reading it but we'll see mm. we'll see is there anything you're afraid of spiders um, don't like spiders, but <laughs> race wise or General, like, something. What what frightens you? Like, is there anything that would make you fearful? I suppose the longer these races go on, and I haven't DNF'd, the thought of DNF is terrifying. But I suppose safe, safety. There was a few stages in race around Ireland, and you were like they're like full blown hallucinations. And I'm looking at Disney and Pixar figurines in the ditch, and I'm not looking where I'm going. And a few times, I just thought to myself, like you've you've you know two kids at home, it gets to a stage where it's getting a bit silly. There's something always happens to somebody on race across America, generally a solo, but I, I trust the crew to protect me uh, throughout that. But race, why I don't know. I don't know. What frightens you? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, yes. Failure, probably. Failure with that fright. Like you know, you're talking a lot there about your DNFing. Would you be afraid of 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 not finishing? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. that when I spoke to the sports psychologist, like he was like, "What are you afraid of?" And I said, "Not finishing." And then I kind of said to him, "But I, I kind of mumbled to myself. I said, but I don't quit.'" And he was like, well, there you go. He said, well, like, what you're trying to do isn't, the, like, the norm is to not finish this. The norm is to quit, to pull over and say, Jesus, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm done. The, like, the, the, the complete abnormal is to finish it. Mm. So he says, what are you afraid of? Like, what are you, you know, what are you putting all this pressure on yourself for? Well, that's what I was going to say, you know, is it all the pressure you put on yourself to, to perform and to do these things and to be a trailblazer and then, you get there and it's like, oh, shit, I can't do this. You know, I, I I can't do this. I've invested my life or I've invested time, money, my family, my crew. You know, is it is it the disappointment that people might have in you that if you didn't finish it, that they'd be disappointed? Um, I, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I don't really, I suppose my family, yeah. Like, like if I was, if I didn't finish race around Ireland after putting in all that training, you kind of you'd be kind of thinking Lauren would be like so what Joe what was all that for and she kind of said like Joe you better finish this you're not coming home <laughs> if you don't but um, as for others there's always big grudges but I don't really care what people would would think and, and like I genuinely do this purely for me I don't do it for for anyone else I said if I didn't own the shop or the clinic I wouldn't be talking to you now because I wouldn't have a Facebook page mm. uh, people were saying to me for the last couple of years to to do up your own page um and i just i just thought i'd be an arsehole if i set up my own page to be honest um but for race cross america i didn't want to be spamming the shop page all the time so i said right i'd do it you mentioned at the start that you're doing this for alzheimer's so how can people support you graham either in terms of supporting the alzheimer's and your own campaign um, and then in terms of sponsoring you or getting behind your campaign to get to america we have an Everyday Hero online donation page. Um, it's, I think it's just Gray Mac and Race Across America would, would bring you there. Um, it's for the Alzheimer's Centre in Navin. Um, my mother was one of the founders of it. She's no involvement in it now at all. But we did race from Ireland 
2015 for them. We did Race Across America for them the last time. So doing it this time for them as well. Um, Sponsorship-wise, uh, we're very close to the full amount. We're probably two or three companies short of it. Uh, there's been some amazing, like Jones Engineering came in as the main sponsor, um, just through a customer here in the shop. Um, and then a patient of mine, uh, Anne Collins, she owns Harry's Hotel in Kinnegad. And I was just telling her about the race. And she went home, did a bit of Googling on it, and then she was back in the clinic the following week. And she said that she'd come on board as a, as a sponsor through her hotel and that she had another company in America called Canatrack. And they've come on board as a main sponsor as well. I suppose that, like Race Around Ireland or Race Across America, it's that level of very few people can comprehend what you're trying to do. And they might Google it or you might tell them that you're doing it. And like a lot of people would be, I remember one time when we got back from 2017 and my father-in-law was telling a woman just what we did. And she kind of said, oh yeah, my husband does the ring of Kerry every year. Do you know, and the ring of Kerry isn't easy by any means. And, and I'm sure it was, it was a big goal for him. But some people get what you're trying to do. Some don't. And Anne Collins really got what I was trying to do. Um, so when you get the support from the likes of that, uh, Ecom here, Navin came in as well, cohort recruitment. When these big companies that you don't know at all, when they support you, you get a, you do get a big rush in it. But I don't think I don't think people realise the extent of. I know it's cycling a mammoth distance, um, both as a solo in RAI or even as a team in RAI, but especially in in Ram, how 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 long it is. But the costs associated with it are huge. I mean, is it you know, is it a hundred thousand euro for you to go to the states? Is it quite that? No, no, not quite. No. A four, I know a four-person team. It, it's about a hundred thousand to go from Ireland. Jeez, they must have been uh, getting Ferraris for the follow cars. No, well, they, you know things like they had two RVs for their crew and riders, and um, the diesel alone was a couple of thousand dollars uh, for for it, yeah. and things. Like, and it, I suppose it all adds up as well. Like we, we like we were doing Airbnbs. We're doing. We were not getting a camper because it's too it's too hard to get one. It's too expensive to get one. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'd be about about twenty five grand. It's looking at. So if somebody yeah. wants to support the campaign, um, they can just jump onto your uh, website, your Instagram, your Facebook. Yeah, just send me a message. Um, there's probably logo space for probably about three or four more companies. That's about it. Or if they just want to, to donate to the Alzheimer's Centre, um, the link is is on is on the the Everyday Hero page. We have a Q and A night coming up. Uh, never thought of it. I should have got you to do it. But uh, we have Peter <laughs> Nolan, the OT commentator for the Olympics. He's going to MC it. So it's just me, the crew. I'm going to deflect every question put at me to the crew, <laughs> so I can sit there in silence. Um, and we're going to have a, like a, a just a Q and A night. It's a fundraiser for the centre, just a donation on the night and raffle. Uh, we'll talk about previous races, how we managed to do race from Ireland, how we planned to do race from across America. We'll open the floor to questions. There'll be pre-planned questions. We'll have a kind of PowerPoint display with videos and clips and the bar will be open, thankfully. Uh, so it should be a bit of crack. March 13th in Brogan's upstairs in Trim. And then just before we go, at the end of May, we're going to have... Um, a table quiz in Leland's and Trim as well. So they are kind of just the two main events for, for getting involved. But like 
it was after Race Across America, the last time a couple of people asked if I'd kind of do a talk on, on, on how we did it. And actually, my my fear, as you said, what frightens me is public speaking. Um, I hate the thoughts of it. Um, the nightmares have actually already started for, for the event in Brogan's. It's like a first day of school nightmares of everything going wrong. Now, for a woman who stands up and speaks all day, you, you, you probably don't understand, but I absolutely dread it. So I scoffed that idea. And then after race around Ireland, a few people asked, and I was like, God, no. Um, then I started asking people in the shop and the clinic, and every one of them said they'd love it. Um, some of them are going for the first Ironman or the first marathon, and they're kind of looking for tips. And um, I couldn't understand why anybody would want to hear me talk with me, <laughs> but they're not. Uh, I figured out they're not. They're here to talk, or to, to hear me talk about me punishing myself, flagellating myself. So they're the sadists, really, not me. It's a very interesting story um, and I think we've only just literally tipped the iceberg with what we've discussed this evening. I will definitely be talking to you again after you finish Race Across America, maybe before you do the Kerry Ultra Way or maybe before you do the Spine Race. But listen, you're absolutely done so much already and wish you the very, very best of luck for the future. And I can't wait to be dot watching later this summer um, because that besides cycling my bike, that's other, uh, my other pastime. My other favourite pastime yeah, is dot absolutely. watching on the people that you know in the race around Ireland or Ram or all those endurance races. So listen, the very best of luck to you and good luck with the public speaking. I can give you a few tips later on. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks as always for tuning in and a big shout out to everyone who has been listening and sending messages to me about the podcast. So many great stories to be told. We have people tuning in from all over the globe and I'd love you to say hello. So pop me a mail, a private message on social or get in touch via the website. And don't forget to pop a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Facebook page, Try Talking Sport. I absolutely love hearing your feedback on the interviews. If you have a suggestion for a guest, why not pop an email to trytalkingsport at gmail.com. That's try with an I, not a Y. Until next time, stay safe and keep smiling. Keep smiling.